0: The scripture reading for this morning is from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. John 21, verses 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a 100 yards. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs And you know that I love you Jesus said feed my sheep very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God then he said to him follow me this is the word of the Lord
1: I want to invite up our preacher this
0: morning, uh, Samuel Carballo, who is working on some tech issues at the moment, but for those of you who don't know Samuel, he, he and his family have been members of our church for a long
1: time, but he hasn't been around much because he's doing pulpit supply at another church, which is such a blessing for them and for us to be able to send him to do that. So we are grateful,
0: and I would just like to pray for you before you begin.
1: God, thank you
0: for your servant, Samuel, and for his willingness to bring your word to us this morning. Bless him, and may his words be your words as he speaks in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you once again for the uh opportunity to be here with you one more time on a sunday morning uh as soon as you heard my name i i have a fan club my daughter started screaming <laughs> so i know you probably didn't feel like screaming but she did um, i am so thankful for the opportunity again and i'm obviously thankful for all the volunteers all the staff that makes this type of meetings possible in our church so um, we don't we don't want to take you for granted again it's it's we are here because the faithful service of of our pastors our staff and and volunteers that come every you know Sunday after Sunday uh, helping us out to have a meeting and, and listen to the word of God and be blessed by the music and the musicians so I'm, I'm very thankful for that I'm also thankful to my wife, who is all, um, holding the fort while I'm here. As you know, um, my family has a very interesting story. Uh, they probably will make it to the sermon, um, but I'm um, thankful for her as well. And Gina, who is actually helping with Natalia in the back as well. So thank you so much for, for your help. Um, so uh, I today I want to bring to you a... A fundamental truth about humanity. fundamental truth about humanity. It doesn't matter how many times we've done things to divide ourselves. We humans have um, find, we found different ways in which we can divide ourselves in different categories, uh, whether it be uh, creed, whether it be uh, our ethnicity, uh, whether it' it'll be, uh, be our language. But there's one fundamental truth that you need to know and which all of us can agree with in a morning like today. In life, we have, there are two things. The one thing, there, there are good movies and bad movies. That's the reality that you need to understand. It doesn't matter where you come from. I'm totally sure you've come across a good movie. And I want you to think about that. Well, when was the last good movie you, you saw? I'll share mine, but think about that moment for you know a couple of seconds. What was the last good movie you saw? And the very last you know movie, the good movie that I saw uh, was *Sonic the Hedgehog* Part Two. <laughs> By that, you probably know the type of genre that I'm interested in. <laughs> and uh, if you are one of those million individuals in the world who were waiting for that epic battle between Sonic and Knuckles this movie will not disappoint you I highly recommend it Um, but now I want you to think about a bad movie when was the last time you actually came across a bad film right Uh, something that you did not enjoy I'll share with you really quick what's a bad movie for me a bad movie was the Grinch uh, I before the pandemic, I had the chance to take my kids uh, and my nephews to the movie theater, and, and ten movies—I mean, ten minutes after this movie, I was snoring. Uh, it was it was that bad. And if you are able to sleep in a theater full of kids who are experiencing a sugar high, then you know that that movie must be bad. So my recommendation—I don't know if you've seen it but um, that's not that was not a good one however there's also a third category for movies there are the movies that are have a very strong start but an awful finish awful and here well this is another way maybe we will find ourselves uh with a discrepancy but i'm going to show you one of the worst movies that i you know one of the movies that i have filled that category and it was War of the Worlds, the version that it was made on 2005, it was by Steven Spielberg, and well, check this cast, right? So it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, um, who else, uh, Tom Cruise was there, right? Dakota Fanning was there, Tim Robbins was in that movie, uh, and the narrator of that movie was Morgan Freeman, right? And still, uh, it, I don't know if you've seen it, I don't wanna spoil it for you, but if you fast forward to the end of this movie, uh, again, I think you will be disappointed big time. (laughs) Uh, But think about it. I mean, you have the, I would say that was a very strong cast of actors and actresses, and still, this movie started very good, and by the end of it, it was really disappointing. And if you think that I'm hating on this movie, I'm not the only one who thinks so, right? Even Steven Spielberg (laughs) have said himself, he said 13 years after the movie released, Steven Spielberg finally revealed that he isn't a fan of his War of the World ending after all, right? So it's not just me. I think the actual person who directed this movie can tell you that it was an awful ending. (laughs) So, I know you feel tempted now, right after this service, and go to Netflix or whatever. Let me spare you the time. Do not waste those two hours. Don't waste them. Uh, You will be disappointed. Now, where am I going with this? So, um, on April 9th, 1989, I confessed Jesus as my Savior, my Lord and Savior. I was uh, 10 years old. I'm dating myself. But... um, it was, with, it was a rally in the island of Puerto Rico. It was a, in a, one of those evangelistic rallies for youth. And there was this Argentinian um, uh, evangelist. He came into town. He delivered, you know, for me, it was a, a, one of the most powerful expositions of the word that I ever witnessed. And as a result of that, and the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and the heart of lots of young people that night we came to know the Lord. And because of that situation and that fire, I'm still here, right? It was, it was, a, it was a moment where my, my life was marked forever. And I remember the words of that evangelist saying, well, so all of you young people, I want you to go back home uh, as soon as to, maybe tonight or tomorrow, but I want you to start reading the Gospel of John. And I said, well, so the Gospel of John. And then I was thinking, so why not the other Gospels, right? Uh, So he actually, my father was the pastor of the church. He was staying with us in in our house. It was a parsonage from the church. And he said, well, you know, the Gospel of Mark is good. But it, it's always kind of a secret, right? It's kind of some messianic secret. Jesus is also—it's always doing things and is saying, "Please don't say anything to anyone. Uh, just keep it between us." And that—that's okay. That—that—that's—that's that's not bad. Uh, Matthew, though, Matthew—it's cool. Matthew, you got a little baby. You got the wise men from the east. You got uh, uh, good genealogies. You uh, Matthew always. It's a, it's very Jewish, very structured. There's always pairs. It's it's easy to follow, and it, and that's not bad. And then Luke, look, it's cute. It's it, You got the Magnificat. You got Mary. You got uh, Elizabeth. Um, you have Zechariah who didn't you know believe, uh, but you have also. A powerful exposition of how women specifically uh, play an essential role in the life of the ministry of Jesus Christ Um, you got the two uh, bandits or thieves talking the cross you don't get that anywhere else you got the prodigal son so it's a a good it's it's a easy to follow however John if John was a character from a movie john would be chuck norris he would be this is the gospel where you get the he is a straight shooter he is not wasting any time he's not going around the bushes he's telling you the way you know he's telling you the truth the way it is and you deal with it right let me prove that to you so the prologue If you've heard this before, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. There's no baby, there is no wise man. Uh, This is my first sentence, and you deal with that. (laughs) Right? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And deal with that, right? So I, I get that point. So that's what I did. I, I accepted the Lord as my, uh, my personal Savior. I was, you know, in fire with the Holy Spirit. I went on and started reading this, this, this gospel. It took me like a month, obviously, um, I got interrupted in the the middle, but when I got to chapter 21, the epilogue, kind of the last chance you have here to to share the message that you're sharing with whoever is reading this, so they're back in Galilee, and in Sunday school they told me that after the crucifixion, uh, in some gospels, the the disciples were supposed to stay in Jerusalem because after Jerusalem there was Pentecost and they were supposed to be there but then in chapter 21 in John they're back in Galilee and then Peter says I'm going fishing so what happened to the Gospel of Matthew Uh, the Great Commission go then to the peoples everywhere and baptize them in the name of the Father the Son and teach them well and you going back fishing and To make things even worse Peter naked I mean I know the version you read it says it's so Sunday morning like right but in some versions I said Peter is naked in the middle of the Galilean Sea right Um, that's not good I don't think that's a good image in my mind right now and then Jesus is throwing a barbecue in the morning fish and chips a barbecue are you sure so i kid you not when i came to the last chapter of the gospel of john i said this started really good this is kind of an awful ending awful this is not how you want to end up this Gospel, right? You started like chalk Norris, and that this looked like in disarray. So what's going on? And so that's what we are going to try to, you know, everything I'm I'm mean, it's gonna boil down to two points. But number one, context is key here. We modern humans are used to the fact that you know, honestly, we have sent people to the moon. We still, you know, we're, we're thinking about how to send people to Mars. We kind of have developed this technology. People are not in this building, but they're now in Zoom. Uh, some, sometimes we get the idea that the world revolves around ourselves. That, you know, it's, it's modernity. However, when we read the Gospel of John, I think that what John wanted us to know is that We might not be the intended recipients of this message. And that sounds like well, yeah, well, there's there are things that we can gather from the word of God, but we have to honor the fact that this passage, this gospel was written for a specific community that is very different than us. And and when that comes into mind, maybe the epilogue is not that bad. And I don't thought that. John had a specific community that it has, has been, you know, named as the Johannine community. And who are these people? Because that's gonna help us understand what chapter 21 is actually all about. So the Johannine community is a community that it's maybe 40 or 50 years removed from the events of the resurrection. It is a community that ha- was able to witness the Jerusalem siege. In the year 70, Roman Empire said, I'm tired of the Jews. people. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the Jews. Uh-uh. They, they keep revolting. They think they are the, the last uh, bastion of, of power in our empire. We're just going to go back to Jerusalem. We're going to destroy their city, destroy their temple, and ban them from coming back from Jerusalem. These are the people who witnessed that. And at this point, when John was written, they're not being just followed or persecuted by the Roman Empire, but Christianity, as they knew it, was a deviant sect within Judaism. So they were not only persecuted by the Romans, but the Johannine community was also persecuted by other Jews who thought that this people is messing up our revelation of, God, of who God is. So they got everywhere they go, They're being persecuted. And by persecution, we're not saying, they're just saying, don't do that. They're saying that they're being killed and decimated because of what they are preaching, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And from that point, I guess one of the major points that we need to understand from the epilogue, that for me when I was a kid, it it sounded like a bad movie, but this is something that even today, 2,000 years far away from this narrative we can gather and John doesn't make he has no problem in portraying a wounded risen Christ and I think that point is important for us to understand what is resurrection all about John doesn't have a problem to let us know that the risen Christ still bear the marks of his past experiences when thomas had a problem i understand I, I, if i heard correctly you guys talked about thomas during easter but when thomas had a problem finding out who jesus was it was not his voice was, that was used for his identity he was not identified by his voice he was not identified by his scent He was not, Jesus was not identified by by just his mere presence, but was identified by my marks. You want to see who I am? Touch right here. Do you not believe who I am? Touch my side. So now, maybe this makes more sense. When we see chapter 21 in this array, we're dealing with a community that is actually in disarray, is actually suffering, is actually being persecuted for what they believe, for what they confess. And if the resurrection means anything, John was clear at the beginning. He didn't say the light shines and obliterates the darkness. That's not what he said. He's being faithful to what he preached in that prologue. He said, the light shines in the darkness. So our meaning of the resurrection sometimes might be, okay, resurrection is that, and they live happy, e- happily ever after. Close the page. ta ta, here we are. But for John, when he preaches to this community in disarray, chapter 21 becomes the confirmation of what he wanted to say in chapter one when John says in the prologue and the darkness has not overcome it it doesn't say and the light has obliterated annihilated the darkness it's saying that the essence of what we preach that the essence of what we understand, that the essence of the risen Christ that we preach is a Christ that lives in the midst of darkness. Darkness is not going away. Our sorrows, our pains, and our experience from the past might still be the marks that we bear, even confessing a resurrected Christ, just as the resurrected Christ still have the marks of his crucifixion. And that is something that I think we can take with us, whether we are the Johannine community or not. But it makes more sense in the, in the actual context because following Christ meant putting your life in risk. Following Christ meant being the scorn or uh, the, the the people that no one wanted to deal with. Following Christ meant exposing yourself to the wounds that the master, our teacher, also went through. And the second point that um, I think that John wanted to pass out to that Johannine community is that you and I as readers, 2,000 years far removed from this moment, we're not part of this narrative when we sit right next to John. We're part of this narrative, we're included in this narrative when we understand that we too are Peter. We're not just part of the narrator or of the Morgan Freeman and the war war of the world. We are also included in this narrative because Jones wants to make the point that the Johannine community, just like you and I too, are Peter and to understand the, this point, I just want to, you know, bring a simple example. It might have happened to you. It might have happened to me. Um, but think about the last time, you, you know, we were in a pandemic for two years. We weren't able to get together. But maybe the last pandemic, I mean, the last Thanksgiving, you had a chance to get together with your family. Maybe, maybe or maybe not. But maybe you got together with your family and... Your wife told you don't bring politics into this. Don't bring anything. Uh, Just let's just have a good dinner. And but you never listen, right? And um, you here you go. Or you it might be even sports. People you know fight for anything. But but then there was an argument in that family reunion. Maybe with your father-in-law. Maybe with your own father. Maybe with your mom. There was an argument there. And there was, that was a sour note. And that left a sour moment in the, in the, in the family. I know that doesn't happen in this church because you guys are saints. But, but the reality is that sometimes we have conflict within our families and we don't see each other again. But then there's another reunion coming up. Maybe we're going to get together uh, during Memorial Day. And you get together with your family. And the first thing that your wife tells you, don't bring that up. Just Let's just pretend everything is okay. Don't bring this conversation. uh, And you come into the meeting, hi, how you doing, how's everything? You know, everything good, nobody mentions anything, like nothing happened. Have you ever gone through that maybe? Uh, Maybe not, right? What was the last encounter that Jesus had with Peter before the crucifixion? And it is true now Jesus is risen, yay! But maybe there's some businesses in here that need to take place. The last encounter that Peter had with Jesus was, I don't know this man. So, are you sure you're not with them? I swear to you, I not, I have nothing to do with this man. But you talk like them. I might talk like them, but I got nothing to do with him. Just you leave me alone. Leave me alone. One, leave me alone. I have nothing to do with him. I don't know that man. Whatever. Number three, I don't know anything about it. Leave me alone. The rooster crows. That was the last moment, the last encounter that you had with that person. And now that person is risen and that family reunion comes back to a beach you uh, are naked run to encounter your teacher for whom you have spent a relationship with this person for the past three years and there is no mystery that he was grooming you to be one of his disciples that he was actually waiting for the New, you know, generation of disciples to take over while he goes back to the Father, and now we have Simon, son of John. Do you love me? I haven't talked about anything about denials yet, but is, is he talking? What I, is he talking about? What I, mentioning? What I think he's mentioning? Maybe he's not. No, of course, I love you. You know that I love you, right? then feed my sheep. Okay, awkward, I know. Simon, son of John, second time, do you love me? Dude, you know that I love you. And then in your head, man, is he talking about what I think he was talking about? Is he referring back to how our relationship ended maybe? <laughs> and then the third one comes in, and the mystery kind of is kind of revealed when you hear that Peter was grieved. Some version says he was grieved because he said to him, he said to him the third time, do you love me? That was the third question. And here we have the resurrected Christ, the one who had defeated death, and the grieving disciple of that resurrected Christ. Isn't that a twist, kind of a paradox? Yes, the resurrection is, I believe in the resurrection, but I'm dead inside. Oh yeah, sure, Jesus is risen. I can confess that as as an objective truth. Then inside of you, there are things from the past that still stand there that bring death darkness, disarray to your own life. And if John wants you to join this account from the eyes of Peter, the question you get today, Mary, Jeff, Joshua, Danny, put your name in there. Do you love me? Lord, I love you, but I, you know very well that I'm not fit for this. You know my past. You know what I've done. You know that um, I try to do my best, but there have been chances in my life where I had a chance to confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I have chosen to deny you. Maybe not with my words, maybe with that coworker that I know was having a bad time, and I confess to follow one that can make a difference and a transform our life and the darkness and the, and the disarrays that we live through, but I've chosen to sh- keep quiet because that's too risky. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose who I am. I don't want to. I don't want to be perceived as this fanatic that believes some sort of baloney in the air. I was afraid I'd have denied you. And when you have that student in the classroom that you know that's struggling, but does the culture in which we live says you never talk about politics in, in your job? You never talk about religion. You never talk about your salary. But you. And somehow we have confessed that we have kind of internalized that we don't talk about the one who gives us lives, the one we confess that is alive, that that have defeated the darkness of this world. We don't share that because I'm afraid. And you might say, genuinely, love, I love you, God. Despite my imperfections, I love you. Despite my disarray in my personal life, I love you. And the response that you will always get from Jesus, then I commission you to be my feet. Then I commission you to be my hands. Then I commission you to feed my sheep. Oh, no, that's only for the pastor, and he's on a sabbatical. (laughs) Feed my sheep. And who are the sheep that God has placed in your life? And because X, Y, and Z, you're fumbling. This is too risky. Think about the Johannine community. What it meant for them to confess a risen Christ. Think about what happened to Peter. And the proclamation of actually how was he was able, he was going to die. And Peter might have said, I have denied you. I know I love you. I cannot show it with my actions right now, but I can tell you the truth from my lips. That I love you. And John says, don't worry, Peter. There will come a time when you will have a chance to prove with your actions whether, you are, whether or not you actually mean what you're saying. And that will be your death. So I wanna close up with the words of a dear professor who passed away, who actually has helped me understand what I thought was an epilogue, that it was so, so bad and I understand that it's actually the reflection of what my life is. Sometimes my life, even though I confess at risk in Christ, sometimes our lives are in disarray. And he says, Thomas Stroger, the epilogue awakens memories of the darkness, the darkness of our hunger, the darkness of our failure to recognize Christ, the darkness of our denial but at the same time it reminds us that none of this darkness has overcome the light. For the risen Christ still calls, still feeds, still empowers, even doubters and deniers for the ministry. And Jesus closes with a resounding follow me. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we prepare to go before you and the invitation that you make us on the table, your holy table, we confess that we need you more than ever in our lives. And we confess that although we might profess a risen Christ, our lives still need the presence of your spirit to make us aware that your light, not the light of anyone else, but your light has overcome even the darkness, darkness that sometimes abide within our souls, in our lives. We trust you, Jesus, that even though we have let you down so many times, It is by your sheer grace, it is by your love and your commitment, undeserving commitment to us, that you restitute our lives and still call us to feed your sheep. Jesus, we love you, and we give you thanks for that opportunity to come before you in remembrance of what you've done for us and trust in your grace not on our works not on our deeds but trust in the grace that you have bestowed through your sacrifice through your resurrection that we are accepted before you not for not for anything we've done but by your sheer love your pure love for our lives and it is in that love and it's in that grace that we put our lives before you and ask you for strength, guidance, and the power to be your feet, to be your hands, to be like you in this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh,